Fuck. Can you hear me? All right. I can hear you. Jesus Christ. Time to get this recording going. We're all trying to be fancy schmancy with our Technology stuff. Technology and... can suck my dick. Yeah. So uh, I guess it's ass and hat, douche and bag, dick and hole, however you want to go about calling us. I guess we're back. So God damn. Te- when technology just wants to like bend you over and fuck you in the ass, it does it really, really hard. Yeah, I guess it's guess it's just that time of day, uh, you know. So yeah, so I guess it's um, guess it's time to get back into bed, man. So it's been a it's been a few weeks or yeah, it's month a, or I don't know, probably a little bit more than we would have liked it to have been. That happens, you know. Life, busy. But there's been a lot of shit going on in the world, and uh, you know, I think this, a lot, you know. A big thing is, you know, what do we want to put out there into the world right now? And it's, uh, you know, it's kind of hard to just sit down and say, well, we could talk about what's going on with Black Lives Matter and all the protests. We could continue going on with what's going on with COVID. And it's like, do we want to be white noise in this sea of things that people are already talking about? Or do we just kind of want to give people an escape from some of this shit? escapism i think uh i think for some of it that's just kind of where we go i mean you know i know we've uh separately and i mean still kind of together via social media we share a lot of stuff on our personal pages and and um you know and all that i think we've we've been doing what we can do and we both decided you know i think what week or two three ago that the climate might not be right we might not be the right people to talk so we're just going to listen so and then we thought, you know what? What the hell? Let's uh, let's keep going on our movies thing, movie thing. But since we can't really, well, it's the first of July. I mean, we've got fourteen days, and we can go to the theater, maybe. But what's going to be out? I mean, yeah. old shit. <laughs> I mean, really, what's going to be out? I mean, nobody's talked about, you know, potentially going ahead and releasing any of the movies that we've been anticipating seeing. Yeah, no, nothing, and nothing got moved forward. No, everything's still later. So, like, I mean, even like Black Widow is still not until November. I don't even know why they're bothering. Just put it out. I'll pay sixty bucks for it. I don't care. But that this is that I, I really don't care. Just well, put it you, out. When you think about it, I mean, it, if, not, I guess you would say like uh, for both of us, for most of our lives, it's been about you know what we're going to see at the movies. Yeah, you know, you know. we we both see quite a few movies. We do. Uh, I don't want to say maybe unfortunately AMC's uh, Stubbs thing or whatever. I think it's just for us in our area. I think it's the best one to do. And yeah, I mean, we get more than our money back each year. I mean, I've been doing it for six years now. That's oh, definitely how long I've lived back in Indianapolis. And I signed up like the first movie I saw because I was like, oh, I'm gonna be able to buy popcorn after taking the family to one movie. So. Well, and I think that I started doing it shortly after, uh, shortly after you, because you're like, dude, do you remember? And I was like, no. And it's like, oh, you got to try this. And I was like, okay, I'll give it a shot. And I did, and I've been on ever since. So yeah, yeah. And I mean, you know, the the just a sheer amount of movies that you were going to see for your, you know, your reviews and stuff. I mean, you were I mean, easily getting it back. You know, it, it's it's kind of silly not to. Uh, Put the money out there, but you know, right now that membership is kind of pointless. Like, I don't even. I think uh, well, I actually renews. Actually, I may have lost my renewal ship. I may have to renew it again. So, 
I mean, you can you can still get points, but they don't rack up nearly as quickly because you would have to basically do, uh, I think, like on-demand movies through AMC Stubs, which they actually have an app for it on, like on my Roku TV. They've got an app for it, and I've actually watched a couple movies uh, on demand and got some was, points for them. Yeah, I was wondering if how that how how well it works. You know, I guess like my my main challenge is if I'm going to use it. I want to make sure the quality is good and the, the user experience like the, you know, is good because sometimes some of those apps are, they're junky and clunky when you go to use them. And I'm going to have to see if it's on Apple TV. Um, when I used it, it wasn't really, it wasn't bad. It, it was, uh, it was actually pretty decent. Uh, there wasn't, there wasn't like really a lot of futzing around with it, trying to get, Oh, how am I going to get this to work? It's like, no, you just go right in and, uh, you use the app pretty much like you do with any other, uh, like uh, app in the TVs for any kind of streaming or uh, movie services. Cool. I'll check it out. Then I keep. I, I mean, I get the notifications like almost once a day from them because they're so you know desperate for money. Which I mean, they should be trying to. Yeah. We, well, we, yeah. You yeah. got to appreciate that position that you're in. That's like COVID basically swooped in and said, <laughs> "Summer movies." Sorry, not this <laughs> <Yeah>. year. <Which laughs> not is, so fast. Which actually kind of uh, is the whole point of this particular episode is talking about summer movies. I mean, I'm sure everybody out there right now is thinking about how, you know, last summer, or I don't, I don't know how about anybody else, but I know that uh, for the last few years, I know that guys like us kind of map our movie around, uh, you know, our summer around the movies that are coming out. Yeah. I mean, I you know, it's like plan vacations around mine. It's like I need, I, yeah. It's like I need, I need to see this one. I need to see this one. I need to see this one. I can wait to video for this one. Possibly, I don't necessarily need to see an opening night. I mean, you kind of rank the importance of the particular movies coming out, and you kind of base it like, okay, well, this one I need to see opening night. This one I can probably see maybe the weekend after, uh, or maybe I can wait till the end of the summer to see this one. Uh, okay, this one definitely is red box worthy. Potentially only if I have a free rental on Redbox. But uh, you think about it, I mean, that's been more the last decade, really, that that's been kind of that whole situation. I mean, yeah, it's been building ever since, you, if you think about it, like the uh, the advent of auditorium style, you know, like not the auditorium, but stadium style the- theaters, you know, with stadium style seating. Yeah. You know, you get more theaters or more auditoriums rather packed into each particular building. And it gives you the opportunity to open it up to uh, more movies and multiple showings of said movies during the summer and also during the holidays. But here it is summer and uh, we've got no movies to map out. I mean, it's been uh, like, I think it was last year. I, I think Captain Marvel, did it come out the end of March or the beginning of April? Yeah, somewhere around there. I mean, it, it. I mean, you know, the the season has been getting longer and longer. So now you go to see a movie like, uh, like maybe the end of March and beginning of April, and it kind of stretches the season out to about five months. Yeah, it it seems like it's definitely um, longer and longer. You know, we we had this chat doing our our pregame show as you may call it you know a few days ago and it just seems like like is there really a blockbuster season anymore i guess i mean it's it, almost well, like it's just strategic planning and it's the some summer movies. really is kind of for the i mean if you think about it, summer really is for the onslaught of like uh the blockbuster or the tentpole films if you will because of the fact that you've got the kids out of school during the summer they've got more time to watch them 
uh, or actually, I don't know if it's even still really that way anymore. I mean, hell, how long do kids even have out of school during the summer anymore? Like a couple of months? Yeah, it's our kids are out basically June and July and right back into school. But, it used to be three months when we were growing up. But and, still, I mean, I think that uh, if you think about the months that uh, they're out of school, I mean, you think about, what is it, uh, definitely June and July, you're going to see a greater number of, like, movies concentrated through there rather than, like, through, like, uh, May and uh, August because they realize, okay, well, we have to get those movies out in that particular period because uh, we know those kids are going to be available to, you know, get their parents dragged into the theater and actually watch those movies. Yeah, I mean, my kids always know. Like They always get us, you know, like, oh, cool, let's go see that. and Let's go see this. Are we going to go see that? And, you know, and again, and kind of like I said, too, it's uh, planning vacations around it because you do have that going on. I mean, I, we've actually, it's been a long time, actually, since I've been on vacation and been like, okay, we're going to go see one of the movies that are out this summer. Um you know, and that, that never goes over well with the wife. The, <laughs> you know, we didn't go to a beach to go see a movie. And I was like, I don't give a shit. You took me to a beach and the movie's coming out and you do better. So let's go. Uh, <laughs> I can't remember. We, we did it. Like, it's been years ago. So, um, but yeah, it, it's just kind of interesting. So, you know, and I was kind of looking like, you know, we're, you know, you, you did more research. I know than I did. I think I did mine at like four o'clock and we started <laughs> <laughs> trying to record at like four thirty. Um, this is busy, just doing all that stuff and freaking whatever. But um no, I think a lot of people really might not understand where the whole term, you know, blockbuster came from. Um, and kind of like that first movie that kind of set it off. Um, you know, and and it's one of those things like the blockbusters literally I mean it's it is what it is, like people lining up around the block. Yeah. Um, and, and it was also a bomb, you know, I, I thought that was kind of funny, uh, because it, you know, I was kind of doing some quick research, you know, some quick Googling and, uh, it just talks about the large bombs that they, you know, they dropped during world war two and how they would destroy a, an entire city block. And that's how they kind of, you know, people wrapping around blocks to go see it at, at different theaters and everything. I mean, not necessarily the theaters we were going to as kids, no. but, um, <laughs> but you know, like your New York's and your LA and Chicago and those places where they would literally just line up and line up and line up. And it's cool because, well, I mean, I don't think it's, it's not as much as it was, it is now as it was. Cause we were, you know, when we were talking the other day about how we were trying to figure out what the first midnight showing movie was. And, and you know, I, I never really actually, I never really checked that out to find out what that was either. <laughs> yeah, you know, and I, I didn't really, I and I think we were just kind of going based off of what we remember, and I would have saying it was episode one, that the Phantom Menace, really, dude, you're taking a piss while we're recording? No, I'm not taking a piss. I know, it just sounds like you're taking a piss. <laughs> I'm pouring sounds water like, out of a fucking pitcher. Sounds like old man dribble. <laughs> oh my god, I got, I got ice water here, I'm getting something to soothe my parched throat. Dude, you might want to get your prostate examined. It sounds oh like get a week straight. <laughs> <laughs> and this, this is, ladies and genitals, this is what our podcast is about. So, Well, um, if, it, if but, it makes you feel better, I'll let you know that I was holding the fucking thing down at waist level so that at least, <laughs> hopefully, it wasn't going to be heard on. But no, sorry, folks, yes. You heard me pouring water out of a pitcher into a, into a fucking glass. Sorry about uh, that. Right. 
That's all right, because I, I keep doing this. I don't know if you can hear it, but it's my, my headphones hitting my uh, my my spit guard for my microphone. So because um, I'm using my desk in the house um, instead of, you know, down in the lab or the basement. I've been calling it the lab. And I think that's already been taken by so many, you know, dumb ass adult dudes that yeah, I need no, to down in the lab, down in the pit, down in it's like <sighs> the rancor pit. Maybe that might be better. But uh but I decided to sit at my desk because I had actually, you know, put some, you know, acoustical pads up or whatever. And I was like, yeah, I'll just sit up here and chill, kick the kids out, well, kid out of my room. There's only two of the kids in the house right now. So, but anyways, and um, so yeah, but let, let's get back on track here. That that train's really off the rails. Yeah, yeah, um, okay, let's yeah, let's get away from my piss water experience. <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> at least take some ibuprofen. That might, you know, help the 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 inflammation down. Oh my God, we're gonna talk about my prostate. You want to get up my asshole and look at it to see exactly what shape it's in? I mean, you know, as old as I am, maybe it's about time somebody looked at it. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh my God. Uh, you know what? That's it. For, from now on, I'm going to have just a little, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just do Capri Suns and have a little sippy straw. So my question though is if you... If you don't use lube when doing the prostate exam, is that more of a sexual experience? Or I think, I think it... lube makes it more of a sexual experience. <laughs> oh, my God. I think not using lube makes it assault. I, I think people listening to this podcast have real issues. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, well, you know, hey, you know, you were the one that came up with the subject to begin with. All I'm trying to do, I got the, okay, folks, let me set this up for you, okay? I got this, I got this picture. Just you know, regular plastic pitcher, and I got this huge Garfield glass that I got when I was a kid. Thing probably holds about thirty-two ounces of water. So here I am, getting some water, pouring it into the glass, and what do I hear? You're pissing right now. No, but once I'm done drinking the glass of water, I might treat you guys to a to a trip to the bathroom. But uh, yeah, we are way off subject with this. <laughs> but uh, so yeah, anyways, Jesus I mean, Christ. we we didn't go into you know you arriving finally or anything like that. But anyways, anyways, anyways yeah. If you're, I, I mean, if you're if you're like futzing around doing shit before, and this is where you actually start paying attention. I am so sorry. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad we don't do like ads or anything at the beginning of this podcast because it'd be really funny to see how far in people actually skip. Because we're like 14 and a half minutes in right now, and I know they're like, "God, just get to the point." What are you yeah. talking about? But well, anyway, I mean, so well, hell, what if one of your dogs was like licking your hand, and I heard this like like slapping sound? I'm like, "Are you getting a blowjob during the fucking podcast, dude? What the hell?" Well, I do have my laptop and my iPad uh, up running right now. Yeah, but so yeah, I, well, I'm talking about a blowjob. I'm, I'm not talking about self gratification here. I'm talking about you actually <laughs> getting somebody to tend to that pathetic penis of yours. I mean, it could be like the the. I don't know if you can hear the the slap in there, but anyways, so that right, would be so... more the sound of that. That would be like more the sla- sound of you like like you know slamming ass instead of like jerking <laughs> off. But, um, Thank you, everybody, so, for listening this far. Hopefully, you'll listen <laughs> on a little bit further because I swear we're gonna get to the fucking point eventually. They're they're doing this right now. Unsubscribe, blockbusters, <laughs> one star. Okay, um, blockbusters. So I I mean, uh, most people, well, no one really. I mean, some of our listeners know who we are. The 
God, I'm handling my microphone right now, so it's really noisy. Oh my God! Um, Are you talking about the actual microphone? Because I, if you're gonna, if you're talking about handling your cock, I'm out of here. No, no, no. Okay, um, but back so- on topic. Some some people know us, you know. We do have a couple of people that are our our friends that are, you know, that know who our true identities are. Well, if, they, if we could actually mask. still consider them friends at this point after having actually listened to us, yeah, yeah, you know, because Lisa's probably cleaning her house or whatever she's doing right now. So. This is already too long. It's sixteen minutes. Oh my god. <laughs> Oh Jesus! But we need to but, do five um, minute vignettes of us just back, like just like 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 bouncing shit off of each other, like 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 just like verbally battering each other for five minutes, and they're like, "There you go, Lisa." You know, she'll love the fever dream episodes when we finally get around to doing those. But fuck, you know, she might not listen to any of the actual real ones. Yeah, no, no. So, but um, you know, so we've got um, I think you know when you kind of do the 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 googling um. I think Jaws was the one that always kind of comes up as the first like real blockbuster. Yeah, Jaws basically was what was considered the the actual first blockbuster film, be, like the first summer blockbuster. Let's put it yeah. that way. Yeah. Uh, just so we don't have any. Like, if in case anybody actually does follow us on any of the social media shit, or like actually wants to email us and says, "No, well, officially it's a summer blockbuster because it came out in summertime." But there were other films that did much that did uh, comparable. No, there wasn't. There wasn't another film that actually did this well before this movie came out. Uh, I mean, if you want to, yeah. if you want to think about it, let's see here. Uh, Jaws comes out in '75. Yeah, when did um you know? And uh, if you think about it, I mean, you know, you might have uh, you might have had some really you know decent showings, but like, I looked at the first five years, well, not actually the first four years before Jaws came out. Okay, now think about this: Jaws did one hundred thirty-three million, and that's uh, that's box office gross. Okay, and that was in North America. Now internationally. Oh God! I think it. Uh, what was it? It was like uh, oh, worldwide gross. I think it did like what was it? Four hundred sixty, four hundred seventy million. Okay, now that's you know that's a really impressive number. But the thing is, we're also talking about seventies dollars. If you adjust, uh, if you adjust the gross, you know, worldwide and even you know just in the United States. I can't remember exactly what the uh, oh, uh, what the difference is now between the adjusted gross dollar in 1975 and what it translates to today. But I mean, you know, you think about something like uh, Endgame or even uh, the oh, uh, the Rise of Skywalker. I think Jaws, if if you're talking today's money, I think it outdid them both, or might have done comparable to what they did. Which is crazy, you know what I mean? So okay. it's it's to see something like that kind of still hold up that far. I mean, what are we looking at? Like forty five years now for Jaws came out in seventy five. Yeah, right? this is the forty fifth anniversary. Uh, yeah, sorry, forty fifth anniversary of that movie was this year. That's yeah, weird. Weird, and then it came out a year before I was even born. I'm trying to think of when I actually saw Jaws. I want to say I was like. Six or seven, maybe. I don't, I don't really remember when I saw it. There's, you know, those weird time frames where I just don't remember anything from those those years. But 
I know it's pretty little because, you know, just like every other little ass kid, I was like, I'm not going in the pool. Yeah. And, you know, I used to go in like rivers and lakes a little bit. Yeah. Too you you don't even want to go into fresh water after that because it's like, you know, <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, well, sharks don't swim. Well, that's bullshit because you ever heard of a bull shark? A bull mm-hmm. shark can actually make its way in, up into rivers and tributaries. That's some scary shit. And, and bull sharks are the most aggressive sharks. So that's even scarier. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, so, so yeah, yeah, be afraid to go back in the water. And the thing is, show some respect when you do, because remember, it's not our habitat, it's theirs. So if you go in there, you get bitten by a shark. Don't expect, you know, I wouldn't expect anybody to go out there and wreak havoc on the sharks to get vengeance for you, because frankly, you were a guest and you fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. They don't come into your house. I mean, yeah. Jesus. Dicks. Anyways, enough of the uh, conservation spiel right there about yeah. leaving sharks the fuck alone. Now think about this, okay? In relation to what Jaws made in the summer of 75, the previous year, The Towering Inferno was the highest grossing film in North America. And it made $50 million at the box office. That's the budget of a film nowadays. Yeah. And, and, I mean, and not even necessarily a big like effects driven film. I mean, 50 million. And then there's and then the hundred, uh, did I say 133 million? I think it's like, yeah, you're talking about 80, you're talking about almost three times as much the next summer because of the fact that it, you know, just, it just, it just went insane. It was just one of those things that everybody had to go see. Well, and that's like, so looking now, um, a million bucks in 75 adjusted for inflation is almost $5 million. Like, it's like 4.95. So that's crazy. So basically, yeah, five times that you're looking at, what was it, like 700, you're basically talking roughly $750 million, I'm guessing. Right. I mean, and so it's just, just looking at it and... And that's and, just North I mean, America. Yeah, that's not global, you know, global <laughs> money and all that stuff. So it's, it's just kind of crazy. So, and it's when you go back, like I was, you know, I'm sitting here, I feel like I'm, you know, some of these other fancy podcasts where they have, you know, a really cool guy googling stuff while they're talking. <coughs> Joe Rogan. Um, and, uh, but you or, know, you, know, you like, have people that are actually like doing the research beforehand, like Marcus Parks on fucking uh, <laughs> last podcast on the left. It's like, you know. Yeah, not I mean, yeah, not like me where I the do thing it, is, know, fifteen I love, minutes before. That's the thing I love about Marcus Parks. He goes in there so completely fucking prepared, and then fucking uh, Kissel starts to rip him the fuck apart, and he starts yelling at Kissel. You got to listen to it, Joe. You're oh, dude. I just said your fucking name. You got to listen to it, dude. I swear, you got to listen to them because they're younger than we are, and that's what I want to be. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's uh, it's like there's I think I added them to my queue. I have so many podcasts because I, you know, I have some Instagram people that I follow on another account. And, you know, I just try to do just, you know, that polite service where you listen to their podcast. So I start doing that. But then I I'm awful. I always go back to Joe Rogan and I was never a podcast listener. And then here I am like. Thanks, Elon Musk and Joe Rogan. Uh, yeah, so fuckers. So, so looking at some other movies though, as I was doing some research, you know, as we're sitting here talk, like speaking about this, like it's really odd that 2001: A Space Odyssey wasn't really, didn't really like get to that level of being a blockbuster, but it came out in '68. But you also have to consider it was something of a, it was 
it, yeah, it was uh, it was science fiction, but it was also very very artistically done. So it was right. still, it was still kind of an acquired taste. Yeah, you know, not everybody was going to fall in love with it. It wasn't like uh, it wasn't like watching a Star Trek movie where there was going to be action and phasers and stuff like that. Uh, yeah, definitely was, not mass media. So you know, not a. Uh, it was very existential, and, and the thing is, it's like you know, you had. Like I said, it had to basically be kind of an acquired taste. And uh, now, granted, it's it's grown in appreciation over the years, and thank God for that because it's a brilliant film. But uh, consider this, okay? The very next year, the highest grossing film of 76 was Rocky, and it grossed just about $56 million. So you have a huge drop-off the next year. Right, but it was people... actually a really low-budgeted film, though. I don't remember what the... What was this? Were you thinking? talking Rocky or are you talking Jaws? Uh, Rockies. Well, no, I'm not. I'm not talking about like. I'm not talking necessarily about budget, but I'm, what I'm talking about here is that, you know, the very next year, nothing else really kind of rose to the occasion and kind of did what Jaws did. And I don't know whether it was just because they didn't know how to, you know, catch lightning in a bottle again, or whether uh, people just thought, oh, well, that, that's a fluke; it's never going to happen again. Well, the one the one big problem you had though, and I, I've watched different things like little documentaries and like like short clip like clips or whatever, you know, mainly around a New Hope. You know, when when Star Wars came out, about how, I mean, Jaws was kind of there, kind of did it because I mean Spielberg's just Spielberg; he does what he does. But about how like this like the late '60s into like the time like Jaws and Star Wars came out, like cinema and even music was garbage, like it just really hit a bland spot. It was almost like people weren't as creative as they could be. I, and it was just a really weird lull for um, um, the entertainment in, in the arts and those things. And well, it's just kind of interesting. In the 70s, you still had, the, you still had uh, the Exorcist. True. I mean, you and what was that, like 79 or something like that? 78, 79? No. Or was that earlier than that? It was I, earlier I than forget, that. I always forget the uh, the release date for that. Uh, it helps if you can spell exorcist. Uh, <laughs> oh I guess it was seventy three. I guess it was. I was gonna give you. I was. I was gonna give you time to look it up, and I was gonna come at you. Yeah, seventy three. And the thing is, I mean, it did a respectable job. It it did eighty eight. You know, eighty eight, eighty nine million dollars. Okay. That, that's weird. I but the I thing always... is, I mean, you know, you can't really say that the seventies had garbage cinema because you had The Exorcist, you had The Sting, you had American Graffiti, right there. In '73 alone, I mean, you had the uh, you had the emergence of Dirty Harry. Uh, oh, yeah. You know, you had uh, let's see, you had the Godfather films started coming out. So I mean, you really can't you can't say anything about it like being garbage cinema or you know there being a lull in cinema because people were actually beginning to create some really really uh, great movies here. Well, I, mean, I think what I guess you know, really the 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 way to look at it, the band that came out in the '70s. I guess the way to look at it is more like just how they really like, uh, like everything I, you know, I've watched or read or whatever. It just kind of says it wasn't like, I don't know. It's almost like bland and creativity. I know, especially coming out of the sixties, it was just definitely different. And, but then you started getting into where there were more big budget films, especially Jaws kind of helped kind of kick that off from, uh, you know, the effects and kind of going into that because what uh, Spielberg was doing and, Oh, it's just well, interesting. But the, the thing is, the it's growth. crazy that Spielberg did that well on his uh, first time out with a huge budget. 
Yeah. And the yeah. thing is, of course, you know, the only reason it was a huge budget was because of the fact that the shark was not working about half the time. Right. But yeah, it, it was... led to it, it led to one of the most creative ways to tell the story, which was to not show the fucking shark at all. Yeah. I mean, think about it. I mean, you think about how that kind of even translates to uh, like horror in the 80s. I mean, you never see who's killing the campers at Camp Crystal Lake until the very end of the movie. Yeah, and, and that's, that's really odd as well. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's, it's the mother of who becomes the killer throughout the rest of the movies. And, and that's, that's what's always fun when you get to that. You know, in some movies, when it's done well, especially from a direction standpoint, like, you know, visually and just where it kind of, you know, they, they scare you even more just from camera angles, you know, the cinematography and those things. It works. Now, I mean, you know, there's some of those, like, other movies, like, you know, where they try to make them cool. <coughs> Godzilla um, a few years ago. Not the latest Godzilla, but the one before that when they reintroduced him, where they showed him for, like, 12 minutes in the whole movie. Like, come on. So, like, it so just, what didn't was it, uh, just didn't make sense. The Matthew Broderick one? No, I'm talking about the, the first one of this new series or whatever. That the, the Was that five or six years ago when that thing came out? I don't even remember when it came out. So What, you didn't like that Godzilla? Mm. It was all right. The one where they actually had Mothra and all that, like what a year or two ago, like that one was really good. Like yeah. that, that was enjoyable. But the one before that, they literally only showed him for like twelve minutes, like the whole entire movie. I'm like, what? The movie's called Godzilla. Like people want to see Godzilla. Like this doesn't work. It's not. I don't know. Anyways, let's do. So, so I guess like you know, as we're going in, you know, we've we've kind of beaten the star wars horse i mean multiple times to death um you know and all that because you know you you had jaws and then you know you go in uh you know 77 with a new hope um what i was really, really funny into... though is that in 77 you had uh you had star wars obviously it did 221 million okay you had Smokey and the band that did 126 million almost made as much money as jaws did uh two years before it and close encounters of the third kind, which was oh, yeah, Spielberg's, you know, Spielberg's uh, follow-up, which fell 17 million. I think it was like 17 million shy of what he did with Jaws. But the thing is, it's like all of a sudden you see this huge profit, profit profitability spike two years after Jaws. It's like the next year there was a real lull. I mean, you had Rocky, which is an excellent movie. But then all of a sudden, the next year after that, you've got, let's see here, you've got uh, six, I think it's like, yeah, about six movies. They either did as well as or above. And basically, you had Star Wars on the top. You had Smokey and the Bandit in the second position, Close Encounters, then Saturday Night Fever, and then The Goodbye Girl, which did $82 million. And then there was a bridge too far, which is what tied with uh, Rocky at 50, 000, uh, 50 million. And the thing is, it's like it's weird how all of a sudden you have your sixth movie in position makes as much as the year before the the, the leader in the box office at of the year before, and then you're climbing up into you know hundreds of millions of dollars. It was just kind of a weird out of nowhere spike right there. But the thing is, I think it was the culmination of a lot of great movies coming together. And of course, they're not all summer films, but uh, Star Wars obviously was, and it was uh, 
I think the thing that like helped to spark what was going to become this new wave of like summer blockbusters where you were going to have one film that might reign over the rest of them. Yeah. The one film to rule them all kind of thing. And, 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 you know, and as it's grown, I mean, look at how, you know, all the studios just start fighting for your money. Yeah. And I mean, to, to some people, you know, there's still a lot of people that, yeah, they, they do literally have to plan out maybe one to two movies that they can see. You know, this is all pre-COVID and all that stuff. Um, you know, I, I budget a lot of my money and stuff for the family, you know, for our, our free time. Especially in the summer months, you know, if we're not going to go swimming or whatever, we'll go to the movies because you know, it's air conditioned. You can go have some fun, see something cool. And and I think that's just one of the big things. But, like, now it's like, yeah, that's the bad thing. It's like, okay, I got to plan out, like, in February, March, I literally will set money aside because I know, okay, like, there's like four or five movies coming out in the summer. So I'll put that money to the side just to be, kind of be ready for it and all that. Make sure my stubs memberships going and all that crap. So, but so yeah, it's, it's interesting. You know, but then again, the next year in 78, uh, the, the top movie again had a huge, uh, you know, it was a hugely grossing movie. It was $134 million. It was Superman, but it came out in December. So, you know, it's like, it, it wasn't, it wasn't a clear thing that, you know, you were going to have this whole, Phenomenon of the the whole, yeah, the whole phenomenon of a summer blockbuster <clears throat> being the one that was going to lead the box office, and even now it's not even such a uh, sure thing when you consider the Star Wars movies being released in December. Yeah, it's it, the whole way that they they switched it over and started changing that really, just really weird. Like I don't, I don't know. I don't know. We talked about that the other day, and and I just I don't know. I don't get it. So, but uh, I think that 1980. Really? Yeah, sorry. Really? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Anyways, it's like being in the movie and the fucking cell phone goes off and somebody in your room, you're like, hey, fucker, turn it off because you're not answering it. At least not with that mouthful of teeth, you're not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, I think that. And I think you might agree with me on this one that it, it took another Star Wars movie though to kick off what would truly become like a trend of like summer blockbusters in a more continuous fashion. And it was in nineteen eighty with The Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, that was one of the ones that I, I threw on my list was you know, as I was going through it, I was like, you know, because and that's the thing, you have people waiting and waiting and waiting to see what was going to happen next, you know, because everyone already had Star Wars. and But it, know, was, it, yeah, it wasn't a sure and... thing. The thing was, I mean, you know, Star Wars was a fluke. Yeah. It, there was no guarantee that that movie was going to do what it did. And I remember that my, uh, my, my parents would always tell me about how uh, when they first saw it, that my uncle, when, uh, when, when we would come down here where I now live and where we all now live, uh, here in Indianapolis, uh, that when we came down uh, to visit at one point, they were talking to them one night at dinner, and he's like, "Have you seen Star Wars?" And my parents were like, "No." And they said, oh, "You've got to see this movie; it is amazing." And I think it was that weekend that <laughs> my uncle said, "Okay, well, we're going to go ahead. We're going to go ahead and go see it again." And you guys are going to see it for the first time. 
Now, my I don't I don't remember seeing it when I was three years old, but I do remember seeing it the next summer when it was like like in a re-release at the uh, oh, at the drive-in because I was only three when it I was actually two going on three when it actually came out. So uh, I know I was actually four years old because we had celebrated my birthday before that, and I actually gotten my first Star Wars figure before I even saw the movie. But uh, that's when I saw it at the drive-in was my first experience seeing it. But, uh, you know, it was just lucky that it was lightning that they caught in a bottle because if that movie had failed and all George Lucas had was merchandise rights, well, you know, depending depending on how well those figures sold, you know, uh, he might have either he he might have made a few uh, hundred thousand maybe, but uh, we can we can see where he's uh, gone right on getting those merchandise. Well, can't can oh, we? Yeah, yeah. We you in particular have definitely put a lot of money in his uh, pocket over uh, the merchandising, especially with oh the yeah I've, figures. I've I've probably been able to buy his children a car, so it's pretty pay stupid for their pay for their college twenty three years yeah. of collecting uh, Star Wars. Uh, crap. So, um, in 15 years of just being in the 501st, um, yeah. Anyway, so. But yeah, that, that was, that was like, uh, for 1980 and discussing, you know, what the movies were as far as the summer blockbusters that we saw that that's the, and I know that's gotta be the top of your list as far as like, uh, you know, for 1980, that was the one that probably stuck out with you was Empire Strikes Back. And the thing is, is because of the fact that, uh, it was a perfect segue from, you know, a new hope into Jedi, you know, it was, you know, a new hope and then hope kind of seemed to be lost. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's the darker and all that. And, and that's my problem. Like, like, you know, maybe in like what, two years younger than you, I was only like two and a half when empire came out. Um, you know, and one of my buddies was a little bit closer to three and he says he remembers saying, I tell him he's full of shit all the time, but he probably um, is. But uh, it's, you know, I think us, us Gen Xers, especially where we fall in it, we kind of remember, you know, I think the action figures for me is really, that's what got me into it, from yeah. what I remember. But then, you know, by the time I was like four and five, which was before Jedi came out, you know, I was able to watch A New Hope. I think my family had like, it was really weird. Like I somehow, I don't even remember how I watched it, like. They had like satellite or something, but I don't remember. It wasn't very long though. It was really weird. Mm-hmm. My grandparents had it, and they were the only ones like in my family that had anything like that. And it was always on like I think a New Hope was always on like HBO or something. I don't remember what it was on. Every time I would go to their house, that's all I wanted to watch. So, <laughs> and then it kind of once once Empire came out, it was kind of that way too. So, but you know, I think I'm trying to think of what some other. Because I have like a list up in front of me of certain movies, but I was trying to find. I thought I had a tab open with 1980s top movies. Um, like what else were like? What were some other big ones in 1980 alone? Well, in 1980, uh, let's see here. No, I think you. Well, you had. Uh, oh, you. <laughs> you had The Shining. Yeah, The Shining yeah, was out. I was going to um, say The Shining. I was going to say Airplane. 
you had uh, the you had the uh, the blues. I was getting, I was about to say the Bruce Brothers. The Blues <laughs> the Brothers. <laughs> yeah, uh, the Blues you, you Brothers. Had, you had a huge. You had a huge like uh, feminist film that came out in 1980. It was nine to five. Yeah. You know. Uh, Caddyshack. You, really you had Stir Crazy. You had Stir Crazy with uh, with Eugene Wilder and. Uh, Richard Pryor in one of their, you know, in one of their buddy yeah. movies. I, that was, yep. you had uh, man and his monkey with uh, Clint Eastwood and Clyde in any which way you can to follow up to every which way, but loose. You blue lagoon. Uh, the bandit wrote again and uh, Smokey and the bandit. Dude, there were so many movies. I mean, not all of these were obviously going to be blockbusters, but there's so many movies just from that era. But you had uh, Superman 2. Yeah, Coal Miner's Daughter. Yeah, yeah. Superman 2, I think, was, was another... I remember that one. I, you know, it's not one I necessarily got to see in a the theater, but I do remember it now. Flash Gordon, that's another one. Oh, my one. God. You had The Fog. Yeah, The Fog. There's so many, like, big Friday ones. the 13th. Yep. Bruce Lee's, uh, which one is that? Greatest Revenge. Yeah, I mean, you had all kinds of stuff that just came out. But, I, I mean, it's and it's funny because most people, if you know, like, it's, it's always funny how it always goes back to Star Wars. Like, during some of these earlier blockbuster years that we're going to do, it's like almost like, well, there was a Star Wars movie that year. <laughs> Were there other movies that yeah, year? That's, that's pretty much all they care about, you know? It's like, uh, you know, it's like, let's not, let's not even talk about, like, uh, you know, like, I think what was it? Uh, I think Ordinary People was best picture. It's like people are like what? Which which movie? It's like Ordinary People, Donald Sutherland, Mary Tyler Moore, Timothy Hutton. You know, it's uh, yeah, just kind of a, a broken family. It's like really. I mean, you had Popeye, dude. You had like really <laughs> what, a comic. Uh, you know, you had a well, would you call it? Like, you wouldn't really call it a comic book movie, but the but the, but seriously, fucking Popeye. I love that movie. Yeah, I mean, it was it was definitely um, back then as a kid. I mean, I remember seeing that one in the theater, and I liked it. I remember, you know, obviously the adults were bitching about it, but I'm like, it's freaking Popeye, man! It's Robin Williams. He's awesome. So, and I just remember it was being a good time, and and, and I think I think I saw it with my dad and everything. I was just like, oh, this is awesome! Like, I could go see this again. You know, I had a good time. Hell, you had uh, kid. you had kind of a spooky. A uh, Disney movie that came out that year was uh, Watcher in the Woods. What when I can't, yeah. the original Watcher in the Woods, not the one with Angelica Houston, but the one with Betty Davis. Uh, one that I can't, I can't find that fucking movie anywhere. It's not streaming on uh, Disney Plus, which pisses me off. It's like, come on, Disney Plus, pull your heads out of your ass. We need something wicked with this way comes, and we need Watcher in the Woods both on Disney Plus. Come on now, give it to me. Yeah, they'll get there sometime soon. Who Maybe, knows? who knows? Yeah, depends on. I think probably a lot of it's just the contracts that they, you know, wonder if there's like a royalty thing, like if it gets played or something, and they have to pay someone's estate or some shit. Who knows? Who knows with the mouse? The mouse, I'll tell you. Okay, now we've got one movie though that I think really got overshadowed in 1980, and it's a travesty because it had a warrior, a pink lady. And a guy that once tap danced with a mouse on on screen. That's right. I'm talking about fucking Olivia Newton John, Michael Beck, and Gene Kelly in Xanadu. Oh my god. 
Did you seriously yeah, just, just say Xanadu? I just went to Xanadu. What can I say? I'm gonna have to. I'm, I'm gonna. I'm gonna be. I. I. I might. Do I remember seeing Xanadu? <laughs> Uh, do I do I remember seeing this shit nugget? I, mean, I don't think just, you I don't think you would forget seeing Xanadu. <laughs> I think I remember uh, Olivia Newton John, man. Like what a a weird kind of way to blast in from from that one movie. What from Greece? Uh, yeah, to Greece to something like Xanadu. I'm trying to even think. Uh, yeah, I don't remember Xanadu. If I did see Xanadu, <laughs> you, you'd remember. I think that's like all the other uh, repressed memories I have of being like beaten or something. I don't know, but it's gonna like bring back some like PTSD moments. So, anyways, <laughs> God, I don't know. You want you want to sally forth to nineteen eighty one then? Yeah, we're we're going to nineteen eighty one, you bastard. So so man, like. So I know what we're gonna say because I already know what the top grossing movie was this year because Han Solo was in it. But yeah, and, but uh, dude, the amount of movies that came out. But okay, it's blockbuster, so we know it was Raiders of the Lost Ark. Come on, let's get real. Yeah, I like, mean, I'm sorry, but uh, you know, Tom Selleck passed up on the role of a fucking lifetime there. I mean, it just it, it yeah. makes you wonder. It's like, what would what would it have looked like if Magnum PI was wearing the fedora? Would they have made him shave his mustache? Would they have made it, let him keep it? You know, I just, can't see Indiana Jones with a mustache, though. I can't either. You know, I can see with I can see him with a five with a, like a, with a three day beard. Yeah, you know, yeah, I could have seen that, but a mustache, no. I just don't, I don't know. I mean, it'd have been like something like even with Burt Reynolds when we were talking about um, smoking the bandit, like. Like there's just some things like, like no. Yeah, if he was like, no. if he was like, uh, you know, longest yard or deliverance, clean shaven, it would have yeah. been the same. He had had the mustache. <laughs> deliverance. <laughs> and of course, but, gotta have Jerry Reed on the on the fucking CB with him. I can't, I can't do any. Oh, yeah, that's that's about the that's about the extent of my, uh, you know, uh, Jerry Jerry Reed imitation there. You know. <laughs> but let's see. I mean, Raiders of Lost Ark, man, <clears throat> two hundred forty-five million bucks. No, that's a lot. That's, of that's, that's, that's crazy. And the thing is, the the next the movie that uh, basically was next in line was fucking on Golden Pond at 119 million. And the thing is, that's actually really incredible considering the fact that you know, on Golden Pond is a movie about uh, basically an old couple who live on an island off in a lake on, well, on a lake somewhere. And basically, it's about their grandson visiting them. Her estranged, uh, their estranged daughter is like, okay, well, I'm going to let you go and spend time with your grandparents uh, out on this lake. And well, I guess maybe pond because it's called On Golden Pond. But I mean, shit. When I think of a pond, I think of like a retention pond outside of like a, you know, apartment building, or like <laughs> like outside like your, uh, you know. Like the little lake that you guys have got. I mean, it's not really oh, yeah, a lake. At the it's, beginning, a, yeah. it's a pond. It's not a yeah, it's lake. a pond. Yeah, I love when people call. I'm like, if I can throw a rock from one side to the other, it's a pond. Yeah. Like, get out of here with that nonsense. But, uh, I mean, it was it's pretty remarkable that, that that movie actually outdid Superman 2. Dude, that's crazy. Which is astonishing. I mean, you know, but, uh, you know, I you got to give props, though, because you had uh, Henry Fonda and 
uh, how am I forgetting her name? Catherine Hepburn, Jesus Christ. Uh, Catherine Hepburn, you had two titans of, uh, you know, the golden age of Hollywood. So, I mean, really, if you think about it, and then you had, obviously, you had Jane Fonda thrown into the mix and a much younger Dabney Coleman, uh, also of 9 to 5 fame. But uh, it's it's just kind of crazy that, you know, you've got this kind of star power here with, the you know, the next generation of Fondas with her own father on screen and Catherine Hepburn is just, oh, there you go. There's your power right there to actually – uh, kind of propelled this movie past Superman too, but you know it is it is just kind of odd that you know it was outdone by that movie, given that it's mostly about dramatic appeal. You know, it's a very very uh, touching story, but still, you know, we're getting to that point where people are wanting to see the action movies and start to see these kind of blockbuster films uh, come around, and you know, it actually took third place on Golden Pond. Yeah, and and it's just and that's the sad thing i mean it's just again it's not a movie i've seen not not something that floats my boat well but the thing is you know i mean it's it's i mean did you even did you have cable growing up i mean no uh, i really didn't i didn't have i didn't have cable i don't think i had cable until i went to college like we had cable when it came to the town that i you know that i grew up in uh woodburn indiana not ashamed to mention the name of the town because I didn't have any choice in living there. If I did, I wouldn't have lived there because it was a shit little town. And yeah, there may be somebody out there listening that says, hey, it's not so bad. Fuck you, it was horrible. <laughs> the best thing about that place was we got cable when I was six years old. So we got cable when I was six and the thing is, you know, when you live out in the country like that, you know, there wasn't really, I mean, we lived really off the beaten path. I mean, you know, the closest of anything to do was really about 15, 15, 20 minutes away, and that's by car, okay? Uh, if you wanted to walk there, whoo, that, that's a day trip for you, you know? <laughs> Just wa- you, you walk there, do something for five minutes, and then you walk back, okay? <laughs> uh, but to even get into Fort Wayne, I mean, that, that was another, that would be 25 to 30 minutes again. And the thing is, because we didn't have the bypass at the time, and, uh, you know... I didn't have a car. My brother didn't have a car. You know, we were tiny, you know, not tiny. I was six. He was like 10 going on 11 when we moved, you know, uh, when we finally got cable. So basically what you did was you, you know, you got up, you had breakfast, you rode your bike or played with your friends, came inside because it's really fucking hot, uh, watch some cable, whatever was on, go back out for a little while longer. You know, come back, watch cable, you know, just kind of in and out all day long, just uh, riding bikes, playing with your friends, going to the swimming pool, whatever, you know. Uh, Well, if you were lucky enough to have a pool in your uh, backyard uh, that wasn't necessarily like a blow up one or one of those little tiny ones that only comes up to your ankles. But uh, that's really where I got a lot of my knowledge was watching movies during the summers for the most part, because the fact that, you know, you had three months off in the summer and when you weren't out playing in the sweltering heat, you were inside cooling off in the air conditioning, watching movies. Yeah. That, and that's, that's kind of, that was the same way. So I came my, by my uh, knowledge. Yeah. Honestly, there's motherfuckers out there that are like, 
Well, I just Google it if I want to know what it is. Yeah, well, fuck you. I read books. I watched movies. I came by my shit. Honestly, I have forgotten more about movies than most of you fuckers will ever know. Right. <laughs> and that's like, I spent a lot of time, you know, my younger years during these blockbuster kind of time frames, like trying to find anything that was similar to what I really liked. And I think, you know, one of the big ones that I remember watching as a kid um, it was on Laserdisc, was Tron. Like, I used to watch oh the God, shit I love that movie. out of Tron on Laserdisc. So, you know, like my, my, one of my grandpas was, uh, he's kind of where I get my, my fiend for, you know, fiendish for, uh, for technology. You know, he was always like an early adopter and he had, you know, he had a VCR before like most, you know, people we knew and, you know, Laserdisc and, you know, and all that stuff. And it was just always kind of funny. And, Oh my um, God. You got to hear this real quick. The first VCR we had had a remote control that you had to plug into the fucking VCR. Not wow. even, not even kidding. <laughs> Anyways, but uh, back to Gramps. Yeah, we're, we're, we're that old people. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but no, I mean, so that was what was really cool. So, but you know, I think, um, you know, as I'm, you know, we're talking about, I mean, we're trying to stay on the topic of blockbusters. Yeah. But but I like to kind of throw in as we're okay. We'll talk about this main blockbuster here. But man, there was eighty one has some damn good movies in it, dude. You had Excalibur, Escape from New York. Yeah. Um, you had Arthur with Dudley Moore. I mean, oh my god, beloved uh, British comic who was uh, you know that used to work with Peter Cook. And oh my god, you had uh, had Cannonball Run. You had you had uh, you had the duo. You had. Uh, you had Burt Reynolds and Dom DeLuise. Yeah. Did you already um, mention Time Bandits? No, I was just getting ready to. I was oh just looking at it. But there's also like the, you know, the 432nd James Bond movie for your eyes only. Um, <laughs> that's, that's a joke, people, because there's like so many of them. Um, the Evil Dead. Like, come on. The Evil Dead, really? Uh, Porky's, man. Like, I remember seeing Porky's when I was probably like eight. Like, I kind of snuck into the room. My parents were watching it. You know, one that a lot and, of people might have overlooked over the years, which is really a good one, Dark Knight of the Scarecrow. The one, I mean, if, if, Booba didn't do it. Uh, you know, I don't remember one, that one. The one about the mentally challenged guy who gets accused of hurting this little girl when actually she got attacked by a dog. And, uh. Even, uh, and basically you got some guys in town that don't like Bubba. And they become vigilantes, and they go and they they hunt down Bub, and they find him posing as a scarecrow out in the field, and they just blow the shit out of this uh, this scarecrow, and one by one they start dying off. Well, they find out, let well, you know, of course, before they start dying off, they find out that the little girl's gonna make it. She didn't die, and she re- she uh, basically recounts the story of how the dog attacked her. So you got these guys all on the hook for this murder. And of course, you know, one by one, they start getting picked off. It had, uh, oh God, I can't remember the guy's name. I think it was uh, Larry Drake, the guy that uh, played Dr. Giggles, was also in, uh, he was Durant in uh, Dark Man. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he played Bubba, and then you had Charles Durning, uh, who played the, one of the vigilante mailmen. He, well, he was a mailman he pl- who was uh, one of the vigilantes. Uh, God, there's some other recognizable faces that, you know, you just kind of can't put the nails on them. Like, oh, it's like, hey, I remember that guy from another movie. I mean, basically the kind of guys that we're talking about there, you know. You had Dragon Slayer that year, the one with Peter McNichol. 
Uh, yeah. Well, yeah, Clash of the Titans, Mad Max 2, Heavy Metal, Scanners, uh, History of the World Part 1. Uh, oh, my God. Here's one for stripes. you. Stripes. Uh, well, you, got Gall- you got Gallipoli, uh, a movie about uh, about two hours long. I don't know. It was the one with Mel Gibson, but Gallipoli was, uh, was an Australian war movie. Okay. You had not, not seen that one. You have one well, yeah, that the... a lot of people might have overlooked uh, in in the course of watching movies in their lifetime. One with Tony Danza and fucking Danny DeVito called Going Ape. I used to annoy I've the heard sh- of that one. Have you heard of it? I've heard of it. Yes, I've never I seen it. I used think. to annoy the shit out of my parents by wanting to watch it every time it was on. But uh, that's awesome. You had uh, you had Halloween too. Yeah, you had that. well. You yeah. had American Werewolf in London, dude, and The Howling. I, I was gonna say The Howling, uh, Fox and the Hound. God, I mean, like you just really sit and go through all this. I mean, Arthur. I don't know, did you say Arthur? Like, dude, I, yeah, I don't I know how many that, times I, I saw Ar- Arthur. Yeah, like I saw Arthur. My bloody I don't Valentine. Know yeah. Uh, oh, there's Gloppy. You had uh, you had one that Sylvester Stallone he didn't it didn't really fall off the fall off the radar for this one but you, uh, basically I don't think it was as you know he kind of rode the rocky wave into this one but it was Nighthawks it had he yeah and Rucker Howard Billy D Williams uh, you had Lindsay Wagner you know the Bionic Woman yep that's so funny you had Outland was... that had uh, Sean Connery and Peter Boyle in it. The one that was a murder mystery that took place on a. Oh my fucking god, dude! I don't know. Like, there's just like random ass people calling me. I'm like, Have you oh, got hey. a mute button on that thing? That's yeah, coming through my iPad, unfortunately. So. Oh, god! Be fucking kidding me. So. Ugh. So okay, so I mean, I think we're good with eighty-one, but what about eighty-two? Well, I think shit gets real in eighty-two. Well, let's have a look at 1982. I I think most people that if, you're, if they're around our age, they're gonna remember 82. Yeah, because that's the year the the uh, blockbuster ET came out, and it was a huge, huge earner. Four hundred thirty-five million. Well. Let's see here. What is that? Four hundred thirty-five million. You say? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Oh, I'm looking at. Uh, I'm looking at worldwide gross. I was going to say that's seven hundred ninety-two million. Now think about adjusted dollars, even for fucking eighty-two. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Oh, you're talking. You know, that would have been a billion-dollar movie. You know. Now. Yeah. Well, I mean, now I don't think it would be a billion-dollar movie because I, I don't think people would go see it now. <laughs> but uh, but the thing is, I mean, that was that was the movie of that summer. But there was another one that, uh, you know, it did it did uh, feature space that a lot that really. I think that it. I think it did respectably, considering the fact that uh, most people remember it as more of a television show than it was actually, uh, you know, subject matter for movies. And I think the other movies did progressively better after the fact, but it was. The best of the entire uh, franchise, Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. The, the movie that keeps me from letting anybody near my ears. 
for any reason. <laughs> Do you remember that? No. <laughs> Chekhov and uh, another officer from uh, on the Enterprise are down on the surface of this planet where they encounter Khan and his little gang of cohorts. Okay. And they've got these little worms that they put into these guys' helmets and they uh-huh. burrow in through their ears. But it was another movie that summer that really gave me the biggest fear that I I experienced in my life. There's a little thing called cholrophobia. It's a phobia that is a fear of clowns. <laughs> and no, it wasn't it wasn't Killer Clowns from Outer Space because that didn't come out in 1982. And it wasn't it because that didn't come out in 1982 either. What it was was a little movie called Poltergeist, which was directed yeah. by Steven Spielberg. No matter what anybody says, yes, Toby Hooper might have been on set, but that movie was shot just down the road from E.T. And the thing was, there was it's a rule that he could not shoot consecutive movies. But he could kind of go over and say, you know what? I'm going to look in and see what Toby's doing and make sure he's fucking doing it right. Because from what people say about Toby Hooper, I love the man. He did some phenomenal movies. I mean, God, he was the guy that brought us Leatherface. Okay? But they said he was a little easygoing and non-committal on the set of Poltergeist. And you can tell by the appearance of the movie that there's a lot of Steven Spielberg trademark on that. There's a kind lot of, his, of... Kind of his hand. Yeah. yeah. Like there's you know, one scene that I point out in particular that I think he loved the effect so much in Jaws that he used it again in Poltergeist because it really made a statement as to the situation that uh, Diane Freeling, you know, Joe Beth Williams' character, the mother, when she finally fights her way to the top of the stairs to go to her children's room to check on them because shit's going down on the last night there in the house. And you see that pullback shot that makes the hallway look longer than it really is. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's... That uh... is definitely... Because think about it. That scene in Jaws when the kitner, the little Kittner boy gets chomped on his uh, raft and all of a sudden they zoom on, zoom in on Brody, but it's got that weird uh, effect where it pulls in on him, but everything kind of widens out. You know? Yeah, it's messed up. So it creates kind of a similar effect, but the thing is, it's like, you know, like I said, nothing against Toby Hooper. Still, you know, he, he's, he directed one of my favorite movies of all time, which is actually, was actually a miniseries of the Salem's Lot. Okay. But the thing is, I think Spielberg had his hand more in this movie than anything. And, you know, the fact that they were shooting them in pretty much this, I think that they were actually shooting them in the same area. I don't care what anybody says about the locations. Those areas looked very, very similar. And some people will say, well, that's that's Southern California for you. Well, no, not really. I think that you can claim that you're shooting in one area and be shooting in a, you know, in another area altogether just so you can be like, well, I need to keep an eye on Toby. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, of course, yeah, E.T., I saw that and Poltergeist both in the same day. Nice. You know. That's a that's a weird combination. So Well, it was two different it was two different trips to the theater. One was during the day with my parents and my brother, 
and the other one was at night with uh, the neighbor lady and uh, some of the neighborhood kids. You nice. know, she, you know, she took her kids and a couple other kids, uh, mom and dads, just stuffed the money into the kids' pockets and said, "Okay, get what you want. Get your ticket. Get what you want. Don't give your money to her because we don't trust her." <laughs> but if she's willing to drive you and just keep an eye on you, we're all good. Of course, on that night, we thought we weren't going to get to watch the movie because uh, little Jeffy's brother, little Billy, closed his hand in the fucking car door. Dummy. And we thought, oh, shit, his finger probably got cut off. No, when they pulled the door open, his hand was a little scuffed, a little bloody, just from like a little, like uh, from where he was like trying to pull his hand out where he scratched up his hands. Yeah. But uh, it was just like, if he had ruined the night, I would have beat him to death myself. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and, and dude, if you sit and look at the list from from that area, I mean, Tron, First Blood, yeah, The Thing, Beastmaster, Blade Runner. Blade Runner is another one I used to watch at Laserdisc when it came out. I watched that in Tron a lot. Uh, Annie, Fast Times with Richmond High. The Dark Crystal, another one of my favorites. As I'm sitting here looking at a Skeksis, uh, you can't, on you my can't desk. forget, you can't forget Porky's, you can't forget 48 Hours. Yep. Well, I mean, dude, you had Conan the Barbarian. That you day. had Rocky. Secret of Nim. Rocky came back too. for Rocky Three. This time he yep. was taking on Mr. T. Dude, Creep Show, The Last Unicorn. I mean, like. There's so many movies. It's just so funny, like, what becomes the blockbusters out of them. But there's so many. Tootsie. You had Halloween 3, Season of the Witch, which a lot of people overlook. Yeah. You had fucking Gandhi, man. Yeah. Airplane 2. That was a good one. I like Airplane 2. Uh, Friday the 13th. I don't know if you said that one. Uh, The Sword and the Sorcerer. Friday the 13th already uh, came out in 1980. Uh, Well, part three. Sorry. I I was was going to say, make sure. There's a sequel. Um, yeah. I'm like going through this long Swamp Thing, dude. That was like one of my favorite movies as a kid. Like I did love you say the Dark Crystal. Yes, I did. Okay, I yeah, that sure. movie's like I love the Dark Crystal. You know, I just sit and and, and I need to go and actually watch the Netflix show, um, and, and everything. Like, I can't for some weird reason the kids won't watch it. I don't. Uh, they still get creeped out by the original movie. You can't now, forget like, the movie Diner though. Diner was a cult classic. I mean, you know, you had. Uh, I mean. Shit with Diner, you had Steve Gutenberg, Daniel Stern, Mickey Rourke, Kevin Bacon, Tim Daly. Before everybody really knew him, more on like uh, the the straight laced brother on Wings, Ellen Barkin, Paul Reiser. I mean, you you got names there that uh, you know everybody remembers now. You know, I mean, essentially, it's like, but nobody that really knew ass- that. That movie essentially ruins like anything you can do with the Kevin Bacon, like the Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon. Because yeah, because all you got to do is look back it. to those guys. Like Jesus, so I never lost that. Anyways, I mean, I always find a way to, uh, <laughs> I always find a way to weave it back. It's so funny. <laughs> you had Amityville uh, to the possession, which actually was kind of a, Ugh. it was kind of a loose retelling of the uh, original DeFeo story. Yeah. Uh, you did mention Airplane Two, right? Yep. Okay. Of course, gotta mention that. So, see, I mean, these fucking movies bounce around inside my head. It's like, like I say, you know, like I tell people, it's like, you know, my, my head is like a Rolodex full of movie information. Somebody dumped out all the cards and then just said, I'm not going to, I'm not going to sort them out. I'm just going to stick them back there in any old order. <laughs> you know? So we have the, the next year, 83. I mean, luckily, 
after we do 83, Come on. we'll go we'll go again until 99 before we have to talk about any other Star Wars movies being top grossing blockbusters that yeah. year. Um so yeah, I mean you had you had freaking Return of the Jedi. Now that's yeah. the first one that I saw in the theater. Um, that's the one I remember seeing in the theater. And it was kind of like a weird late birthday present. My birthday's in December, but I wanted to go see it. So my mom was like, well, you know, Hey, well, I think, I think we went to like showbiz pizza that day. Chuck E. Cheese for you losers. Um, and then, well, no, no, then Chuck we went Cheese to the theater and pizza were completely different places. Remember that. Right. Well, but I mean, they were, then they kind of combined. Well, well, yeah, and, they, uh, they bought the Chuck E. Cheese bought at the showbiz locations and then, yeah. So. Yeah. And then, and then now I think they're all going away. So anyways, that, um, sucks. So that was a good time, you know? Um, but you know, I, I think that's what we ended up doing that day. And I remember we had this like car with no air conditioning. It was hot as balls that day, driving to Greenwood to go see it and, uh, and everything. So it was fun though. You know, I remember, you know, seeing Jedi and, you know, it definitely lived up to my expectations and, and, and that's, you know, I, I think the only, like, I'm even sitting here trying to visualize the only scene I really remember from seeing in the theater was the battle with the Ewoks and the stormtroopers. So you know, and it's and it's funny, and you know now you sit and watch it, and you're like, man, this this is kind of a sad, uh, sad time for the Ewoks as they're yeah. really getting like, <laughs> shot and squished and everything else. And I'm like, oh, that's that's sad. But that you know that that whole year, then I mean, dude, you had a ton of movies. Like, and I don't know really if it's just because we're in that generation, that weird kind of cross generation, you know, between the boomers and the millennials and the 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 zoomers. Yeah, but you know. I really, I'm just really biased to our generation. I think we had the best of both worlds for movies because yeah, freaking vacation came out. I mean, Scarface, I'm not going to lie. I've never seen Scarface all the way through. If I did, I'll remember it. So you had risky outsiders. Yeah. You had risky business. Uh, freaking flash dance. You had war games. War games. I, yeah, dude. Like I'm like sitting here like, would you like to you play, play a game? game? Yeah. Mr. Uh, Mom. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, oh octopusy God. too. You know, and, yeah, and never Keaton say never again. Taking over the taking over the housewife role, which was, I mean, you think about it, it was a it was a crazy role reversal kind of movie. It was before one of those fucking uh, Kirk Cameron switches places with Dudley Moore. Or, <laughs> it was like no, it wasn't that kind of role reversal, folks. It was where you know Michael Keaton's character gets furloughed from his uh, his high paying, uh, like job with one of the auto companies and then all of a sudden it's like well shit now mama's gonna go you know bring home the bacon because you know he's not able to find a job right now so she goes and works at an advertising company and just blows her fucking socks off you know you know has a happy ending though because he goes back to work at the auto plant she she keeps her job you know as uh as an advertising exec, and it's like, whoa, talk about all the money they're going to be drowning in. They can actually afford to get that kid in therapy because they threw away a security blanket. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you have, you have Christine. Like, I can't believe you didn't say Christine before I did. Um, what the? Trading Places, Valley Girl, The Right Stuff, it. Twilight Zone, The Big Ch- I mean, there's like so many oh movies I God. forgot. I was just watching The Twilight Zone the other uh, night. And I'm thinking about that uh, whole ordeal that happened with John Landis and uh, uh, John Landis and Vic Morrow. And there were a, a couple of uh, young Asian children that 
really weren't supposed to be working on the movie because of the fact that you know, they had rules about shooting at night. And yeah. uh, there was the helicopter that went out of control and uh, effectively decapitated Vic Morrow and one of the children. And the other one was crushed under one of the skids of the helicopter because, the, yeah, the, the pyrotechnics were going off and forced it down at such a weird angle. And it just, yeah, that was, uh, and Spielberg effectively cut off his, uh, friendship with Landis over the ordeal because Steven Spielberg had, uh, uh, was Steven Spielberg and John Landis and, uh, Joe Dante and, uh, uh, George Miller all had, all had different stories that they did the little vignettes for. And wow. Yeah. John Landis, uh, that was his, it was the one with, uh, Vic Morrow where basically he's, you know, he's kind of a, you know, he don't know if he really intended to be a racist guy, but he's, he's a very angry man. He starts talking about how, you know, he starts talking about, you know, throwing out there, you know, epithets about Japanese people and black people and Jewish people. And, uh, then all of a sudden he's transported to like different times in history where those people had to deal with hardships kind of as a, kind of a you know weird like Christmas Carol kind of fashion thing you know where it's like he's got to basically face down the kind of ordeals that these people went through you know like first he goes to Nazi Germany and it turns out that he they the Germans see him as a Jewish person then he goes to uh, then he goes to the south and you know even though you see him as uh, you know pasty white American man on the screen everybody around him what they see there is a black man in a suit. So, you know, it wasn't a good place for him at that time, you know, in the South in like uh, the fifties. And then all of a sudden he's, in, up. yeah. And then he's in Vietnam. So there he is. He's this Asian person that's, uh, you know, being hunted down by uh, GIs in Southeast Asia during the Vietnam war. And it was all supposed to be about this, be this whole thing about redemption. And he was going to save these two kids. That's how it was supposed to end. He was supposed to have learned his lesson. It was supposed to be about redemption, but it turned into the ending was where he gets carted off in a train full of uh, people going to the concentration camp. And it was all basically like he's condemned to have to survive through that kind of shit over and over again for the rest of his life. So it turned into what could have been a very, very powerful uh, story about redemption into more of a story about, well, you reap what you sow and this is what you're going to experience for the rest of your life. Way to break it down, right? Yeah, <laughs> Debbie Downer. As I was trying to say, man, have you ever had a dog like angry at you? Because that reminds me of you know Cujo coming out that year. And Jesus, uh, you remember? Bra- uh, you remember? Uh, it was that uh, was uh, Blue Thunder? Yes, the helicopter we with vaguely. Uh, yeah, you had uh, the big chill. You know, I think, I think I said that. God, one of my favorites. And lo and behold, Qui-Gon Jinn is also in this movie, or, you know, a man with a particular set of skills. But Krull came out in 1983. Yeah. Such a a great, like, weird medieval slash sci-fi movie. I was actually watching the trailer for it last night. So I was going to buy a digital copy of it. um, Just so, like, when I start traveling again, it's like, oh, I can watch it. I'm like... It's an HD. Like you, you bitches haven't even got this like loaded up in 4K or Dolby Vision yet. Like get with it. Um, you have uh, Superman three, dude. I don't care. Love Superman three. 
Richard Pryor and I share the same birthday. Rest rest in peace. But you know what? Like, I love Superman three. I don't I, care what it was says. The the one that the one that bothered me was Superman four. But uh, yeah, but we're not, that we're was kind of that far yet. But uh, but you had the Dead Zone, which was really really uh, interesting adaptation of uh, Stephen King's novel. You know, I mean, uh, mm-hmm. you have uh, Christopher Walken playing a man who he's he well he has the ability of clairvoyance. If he touches a person he can kind of see something that's going to happen in their future. And it just, uh, you've got this crazy politician that's looking to kind of, you know, climb the ladder all the way to the presidency and he can kind of foresee what's going to happen with him. You know, it, it, it kind of works its way forward with what he is beginning to see about different people throughout the movie. But this is like the culmination of it all. This guy is going to basically put us in nuclear war and he has to do something about it. Uh, uh, me with another downer there. Okay, here's an upper for you. Easy money. Fucking Rodney Dangerfield. That's not on this list I'm looking at. I was going to say Yentl, and the only reason why I'm saying Yentl is because I think <laughs> I think of Deadpool 2. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> the Yentl reference. I can't believe you haven't brought up Jaws 3. Well, I mean, I don't blame you because they just got kind of whack after a while. Um, what was uh, I was gonna uh, kind of bring the man with two brains? End. Did you say that one yet? No, I hadn't yet. Oh, dude, I loved that movie when I was. I mean, I'd still watch it now. I love I was Martin, gonna bring but... up Jaws 3 more towards the end because I was gonna be like, you know, uh, you know, even though Jaws is my all time favorite movie, Jaws 3 is still gonna represent it, was still part of it, even though, uh, it's you know, it's. I guess it's better than Jaws four because of the fact that you don't have the you know the whole riv- well that goes on later. I'm going to talk about that later because that's going to be in the next half because that one comes out I believe in '87. <laughs> Jaws: The Revenge. So oh, I'm going to I'm going to avoid that one right now, but I will talk about uh, a vampire movie that I really love from '83, uh, which was The Hunger. It had David Bowie in it. And Susan Sarandon oh, and Catherine yeah. Deneuve. And it was very artistic. Uh, it, it introduced me uh, basically to one of my favorite bands, uh, Bauhaus. And uh, when I, the thing is, it's like in '83, uh, Bauhaus was no more. They they had they had uh, the the band had basically fallen apart and they'd broken up. And Peter Murphy moved on to a solo act, and Daniel Ash and the other boys moved on to do Love and Rockets. And also another band called Tones on Tail, which I'm sure a lot of people remember. Go! That's a horrible version of it. But I can't play the real one because we don't have the rights. That's, yeah, let's let's not go there. <laughs> but uh, another one that I, I don't know if you've ever seen this one, but it was really, really, uh, it was really, really interesting movie. It was made by Michael Mann in 83 called The Keep. Has Scott Glenn and uh, Robert Prosky, Ian McKellen, Jorgen Prock now? I, if I see sometimes, like the, um, I think I, it's it's one of those. I think when I was probably in high school, we used to watch a lot of old like horror and like just B movies, and I, I bet I almost guarantee I did watch this because it looks like the the poster work looks like really familiar. 
but it's one of those like it's it's stuck in some weird closet in my brain that's been locked and the doorknob's been broke off and that memory is just not coming out so <laughs> well these guys uh basically you've got these uh you've got nazi soldiers that basically uh within this keep basically they're 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 kind of hunkering down and uh they don't realize what is actually lurking behind the protections that are laid throughout this uh you know throughout this keep by way of these little crosses that are embedded in the walls. Okay. Uh, they end up releasing this nasty fucking monster that, well, not really a monster, but this being that, uh, Scott, Cle- Scott Glenn's character basically has to come and defeat. So, uh, now I'm just going to leave it as that because I don't want to ruin it for everybody. It's only been, I don't know what, 37 fucking years, you know, don't want to be a spoiler. Because you'll get people that'll be like, well, I wasn't even born then. And thank you for mentioning the movie, but you just ruined it for me. It's like, well, you know, you've you've got time to find it. Uh, you've only had how many you only had thirty seven years. <laughs> I know it's like it's like spoiler alert forty years later. Yeah. Shut up with that shit. Get out of here. You, but you have those people, you know you do. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's you had Monty yeah. Python's meaning of life. Yeah, that was one that I think I I blew over because we sidetracked there for a hot second. One that uh, one that I've always really loved because of the fact that my grandparents took us to see it was uh, Max Dugan Returns, which was Jason Robards, Donald Sutherland, Matthew Broderick, and Martian Mason. Where uh, Jason uh, Jason Robards is on the lam from the uh, from the cops because of the fact that he's pulled off this bank heist. He's got all this money and he wants to reconnect with his daughter and his grandson. And she wants nothing to do with it. And he really, he basically, he reconnects by renting a room from his daughter and basically faking his way through things by saying he's somebody else completely so his grandson doesn't even know he's actually his grandson or that he doesn't actually know that this is his grandfather. Okay. Basically, he goes through the entire movie calling himself Mr. Parker. He's basically leasing a room from his mother. And all of a sudden, this things start getting... Uh, you know, she, she gets a, she gets a Mercedes, they get brand new appliances. Uh, the house that they're renting is getting a makeover paid for by this grandfather. And as all these things are improving, alarm bells really aren't going off, but it's like, I don't care. Cause I think it's a great movie. And, uh, the entire time Donald Sutherland is this cop who's trying to figure out what's going on. And then he sees Max Dugan, who was the father of Marsha Mason that's his actual name. So, okay, this guy is wanted because of this heist. He's paying for all this shit. He wants to basically throw him in the can, but, you know, ends up not getting to do it because I guess uh, daughter has a change of heart and says, nope, can't let you do that to my dad. Hmm. You already mentioned vacation, right? Oh, yeah. That's one of the first sure. ones. Yeah, I was going, so... Well then, I mean, honestly, but you didn't, the, you didn't mention the right stuff, though, did you? Yes, yes, I did. God, no. strange brew. Did you mention that one? That was actually we got sidetracked, so I was going to say something. I was going to call you a hoser, eh? But, um, <laughs> but yeah, no, and that that would do. Or I love the McKenzie A's. brothers. Oh my god! Oh god! Okay, you're done. You're getting you're getting muted here in a minute. Uh, 
<laughs> Come on now. Um, so, I mean, I think for the, cause you know, we, we spoke about breaking down because we could do a whole decade, but we're at 83 minutes right now. We're at which, almost an hour and a which half. Which only gives us a little bit of time to actually get into 1984. Yes. So top grossing film, who are you going to call? Ghostbusters. But That's it right. wasn't. You want to know why? Because the re-release of Beverly Hills Cop, uh, no way, no, no. What it, what had happened was the only reason that Ghostbusters went past them is because of a re-release. Beverly Hills Cop was actually the highest grossing that year. Oh, the one I have here says it was two thirty eight versus two thirty four. Is what I have from you know Wikipedia. I mean, it's Wikipedia. Well, that's the, that's the, that's the box office gross. Uh, I'm guessing after the re-release. Uh, because they did two hundred twenty nine million as opposed to Beverly Hills Cops two hundred thirty four million. But the uh, thing is, it's like if you think of nineteen eighty four, you don't think of any other movie other than Ghostbusters. I don't know because I mean, there's no time for love, Doctor Jones, Jones, because <laughs> that movie came out. Um, I'm going back to like I have a whole list here, man. Because dude, you're you're really you're don't really feed hard. Them after midnight, don't yeah, feed them I was gonna midnight. say you're you're giving me bad Christmas memories here, bro. <laughs> yeah, I mean you have that. He who controls the spice don't controls make the me universe. Sweep the leg, Johnny. Yeah, I mean there's so many, dude. I mean you have Dune. I'll be back. You have let's freaking... dance. Yeah, <laughs> you've got like so much. Yeah. Um. You know, never-ending story. You have that going on. You have freaking Red Dawn. Like, are you kidding me? Like, that's just the first page. Splash. Like, I'm sorry, but... Daryl Hannah's butt. Dude, Daryl Hannah's butt but. in that movie. Like, I always dreamed of having a girlfriend that was a mermaid. And I was, like, not even eight years old. The like, Adventures fuck. of fucking Buckaroo Banzai. Yes. You have 1984, which, how ironic, comes out in 1984. You had Dreamscape, which was... A really interesting movie about the idea of you know it it wasn't uh you know it wasn't something about somebody trying to kill people in their dreams you know like uh, Nightmare on Elm Street was (laughs) which also came out in 1984 but Dreamscape was more about yeah well it was about trying to kill people in their dreams oh my god what am I talking about because I remember David Patrick Kelly's character was actually killing people in their dreams (laughs) but it was basically people being able to invade other people's dreams. And there was a study about it, and basically somebody was trying to use it towards their own ends in order to uh, assassinate the president. They were going to have this guy in the next room from the president and have him actually assassinate him in his fucking dreams. But it's one that people need to go back and look at because it was really, it was really an interesting movie. But again, you had Nightmare on Elm Street, you had Night of the Comet. You, know? you had sixteen candles, dude. You had Top Secret. That was a good one. Mm. That. That, that movie's funny as shit. Um, the Last Starfighter. Honestly, you have Breaking 2. Um, Police Academy. You had really? Purple Fucking Rain. Yep, Purple Rain. Amadeus. I mean, it, like... Repo Man. Romance in the Stone. Yeah, Repo Man. Revenge Romance the in the Storm. Yeah, that's like one of my nerds, you know, uh, Children of the Corn, The Natural, <laughs> Chud, um, 16 Candles, God, Spinal Tap. I said 16 Candles. The no, Toxic I just, I was just Avenger. Thinking about it. I was like, you know, it's like, you know, one of the first real entries of uh, John Hughes into, uh, into the fray. I mean, yeah, I know that he uh, directed the. 
uh, I know he always did he write or did he direct the vacation movie of uh, National Lampoon's Vacation? I think he I think he wrote it and Harold Ramis I think directed it. That sounds about right. You had Starman. I, I don't remember. Um, Streets yeah. of Fire. Oh God, I don't remember that one. Uh, uh, Cannibal Run Two. It's Sheena. This is um, Spinal Tap. Yep. Starman, Greystoke, The Legend of Tarzan, Lord of the Apes. I mean, uh, yeah, freaking Conan the Destroyer, which is I think my favorite. Did you say Friday the Thirteenth, the final chapter? Did you say that one? I was about to, because you had uh, you had the very very like Tom Savini esque character of uh, Tommy Wallace, the little kid played by Corey Feldman. Oh, weird. Who was who was basically you know, a huge fan of uh, Halloween masks? Basically, all the stuff that he had in his room, like all the different masks that he was supposed to have made, were castoffs from Savini's uh, workshop. Nice. I mean, I don't know who can forget the head of Jason Voorhees going down the blade of that uh, uh, machete with his yeah. eyeball and his tongue just working <laughs> yeah. the entire way down. Like, oh yeah. my god, <laughs> flop around. I nearly, I nearly threw up from that. I mean, I actually made sure that I w- uh, stayed up to watch <laughs> that movie. You know, my parents said, "Okay, we'll let you watch it." And I'm staying up watching. I'm sitting there eating popcorn and drinking soda. Next thing, I'm like, "Oh." Uh. Yeah, you had, and then the last couple that like just kind of round out, just because I remember watching them um, later '80s, not in '84, but like Bachelor Party and Woman in Red. Yeah. So I'm thinking more about the last Starfighter. It didn't really get a lot of love, and you know, I mean, it was it didn't, dude. It and was I don't incredible. It was, but the yeah. thing is, it didn't get a lot of love. I mean, you know, looking back now, I mean, there's more, uh, there's more love for it now because of nostalgia. But yeah. at the time, it just, it did, you know, it was just another sci fi movie, you know, kind of a, a very, not really like a Star Wars esque because of the fact that, you know, you got this kid who gets his high score in a video game and they basically draft him into this, you know, uh, kind of interstellar uh, Air Force kind of thing, you know, because of the fact that it's like, well, we need people like this that can actually, you know, perform like this uh, as far as like taking down targets and, you know, using the, video game as a simulator to kind of judge their talent. But, uh, you know, it was, I still think it was a really, really fucking cool movie. Yeah. I always love the premise of it. I just like when the, when the, like the car shows up and (laughs) they start talking to him. It's like, nice Johnny dangerously. Oh my God. Oh yeah. And that one didn't pop up in the list. I was looking at, I was just thinking to myself, you can't forget Johnny dangerously, uh, fucking ice pirates. Who oh, remembers yes, Ice Pirates? Ice Pirates was so funny. <laughs> oh my god, there's just so many good ones. And man. the thing it's is, like... a lot of these movies that we ended up seeing, we had to catch on cable because you think about it, the movie going experience for us back in the late seventies and early eighties is not the same way that it is now because you might go to your favorite theater and there'd only be, if you were lucky, three screens. Yeah, you know, maybe four screens. I don't know. It depends on you know. It depends on uh, where you were going. But the thing is, it's like you might go to the cinema at the mall, like in Fort Wayne. You know, you had Holidays one and two. Uh, they eventually branched out into what was it? Seven total theaters because they had two in the main building, and then down the strip they had five more in another building. But uh, but that was an anomaly. I mean, it, it was it wasn't until like uh, the '90s that you started getting the the multiplexes. 
Yeah, when they really started, you know, to uh, change the, how the whole sizing of the theaters and pushing out the amount of screens and, and everything else that they... First movie I saw in a multiplex was uh, the one out at Jefferson, out on the west side of town. Uh, it was... Oh, what was it? Uh, Batman Forever. Nice. I, that which, was it. That was the first movie. Which I saw theater was complex the was that? I can't. Uh, it wasn't Jefferson Point. No, because they didn't open until two thousand one. But it was. Uh, it was over there in that area. I mean, it was. It was a. Oh shoot! What was it called? I mean, it was a Regal Theater, but it was all the way out on the west side. It was kind of back in the kind of back in the wooded area. I think where I. The first one I can really remember would have been probably Cherry Tree Plaza over on East Washington Street here in Indianapolis. And, you know, that was one of the first ones that there. And then there was like a Lowe's one in Greenwood. I'm just for the life of me, I cannot remember where it was at. Like we would, those were the two we would go to. Um, you know, I don't know how many movies though I saw at the Cherry Tree Plaza. I know I, freaking Corsican Brothers, the He Man movie. Like I, I really, I mean, there's a mile-long list of movies I had seen there, so, growing up. But, yeah, and that's just the thing, like, is, you know, like you said, as they evolved, and and I think once they really started realizing, like, holy shit, we can make a lot of, like, when Hollywood started seeing, like, these movie studios can make a lot of movies, or a lot of money off the movies, and they started really pushing them in there, because now you're getting, like, What's the largest screen count right now in Indianapolis? Is like what seventeen? Seventeen over there off the Southern Plaza. Yeah. So, and then I think I know the one up at Hamilton Town Center has quite a few. Um, But you know, like Perry Crossing. So I think that uh, like it it was weird because I mean you had you had the one over there you had Holiday you had Glenbrook Cinemas you had Northwood Cinemas uh, you had Gateway Cinemas you had. The ones at uh, Southtown Mall, uh, and aside from that, you had East Thirty. Uh, yeah, you had East Thirty Drive-in. It's crazy. But the thing is, it's like that's just it. It's like uh, you know, you didn't, you weren't spoiled for the amount of screens that you had. I remember when I went to see Return of the Jedi. It was over at Holiday One and Two, and. You know, the, the, the theaters actually had an area where they were joined together because otherwise they were just kind of like by themselves. I mean, you had to go into one theater or you had to go into the other. You know, it wasn't like going into the multiplex. Now you had this huge open vestibule. And then you have the counter right there after you go through the ticket line. Uh, basically, what it was was on one side, you had the one theater you go to, you're going to go ahead and buy your ticket over in that one, or you go over to the other theater over here, you buy your ticket in that one. And they each had their separate candy counters and soda counters. Uh, uh, The one thing I really regret about that uh, Return of the Jedi screening was the fact that they had Revenge of the Jedi posters that uh, one of the people at the theater, he he saw me coming in with my parents. He's like, uh, he's like, hey, would you like to have this poster? And he's like, oh, what is this? Uh, the original Revenge of the Jedi one sheets. Uh, we have to get rid of them now because of the fact that they changed the title to Return of the Jedi. I wish I had taken that poster. 
Dude, that that'd be so awesome to it have was, that. It was the exact poster. It was the it was the Vader helmet on the red background with him holding the you know, that showed them at the bottom with the green lightsaber and the red lightsaber across. Yeah. At the top at the top it was the same print. It was Revenge of the Jedi instead of Return of the Jedi, and I wish every day now that I had taken it. But my my yeah. dad was like, Yeah, it's not it, it's not the right title. Is he's like, No, he's like, eh. He's like, Do you really want it? I said, Not really. He's like, Okay, well, I thought I'd offer. And now I'm thinking about Jesus Christ, how much could I have gotten for that poster? Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, that'd be the nice thing, though. I mean, honestly, truthfully, if it could have been kept and framed right and all that stuff, I would yeah. just something to hold on to. An original print one like that from a theater would have been amazing to have. So, <clears throat> well, because well, he was looking to he was looking to give one to each my father and myself. So I was like, well, one of them would have gotten sold. <laughs> oh yeah, no joke. So. Yeah. All right, man. Well, I think, I mean, we were trying to break this up after our little chat, you know, our pre-gaming that we normally do that what the the best way to do this would be, it would definitely be to uh, um, break this down just because there's so many movies that have really come out and not only, you know, were they blockbusters, but not, I mean, so many of them that, you know, touched our childhood, you know, really ingrained our memories and it kind of like the movies that made us podcast we did, you know, it's kind of like, you know, a lot of those blockbusters, yeah, it's kind of cheesy and kind of cliche or however you want to look at it. But, I mean, they are kind of what shaped a lot of, like, our our humor and just our interactions. Our and, general taste in pop culture and movies. I mean, yeah. basically, a lot of it comes from all this stuff that, we, that we've grown up watching. And uh, it, it shaped our sense of humor and, you know, basically kind of you know our demeanor and the way that we express ourselves on the podcast i mean you know if you think about toilet humor the 80s were great for toilet humor yeah i mean just revenge <laughs> of the nerds alone uh you know, revenge of the nerds and porkies hollywood nights which i probably should have thrown that one out there too but uh i forgot to because you know it's like we get so ingrained in all the different movies that we're talking about that sometimes you know you just kind of skip over one because it's like uh the nostalgia button just clicks on and you're like just back in it yeah but uh so it's it's always uh i mean it's just so much uh, and hopefully i mean i guess those of you listening you know definitely uh get on instagram you know it's unlikely.bedfellows um check us out give us a follow leave us some comments you know we you know i threw up a uh post kind of leading in showing that we're getting ready to record again yeah let us know what your um, fondest memories were of going to see those movies in the 80s if you're like in our age range or uh your fondest memory of discovering the movies that we talked about if you're younger than us and if you're even older well hey cool you know how to work a digital device ah, <laughs> just joking just joking but anyways i mean and that's the thing too so or you know you know we ask for emails like the only email i gets from our facebook account I need yeah. to turn that off because I get a lot of emails from our Facebook account and they're not even, it's just the so-and-so posted a comment or so-and-so post. I'm like, Oh, I, I didn't turn that shit off. <laughs> so, but anyways, like, I mean, we, we have a unlikely bedfellows, Facebook, unlikely bedfellows on Instagram. Um, and then unlikely bedfellows at gmail.com. Um, you know, hit us up, you know, email us, email us, whatever you think, however you want to look at it, do some different things, whatever you want to do. Um, you know, but send just, us pictures of whatever you want in our email. We'll we'll uh, be sure to share. Yeah. So if you if you show us anything particularly disgusting or disturbing, you can be sure that the cops will get a chance to walk look at it too. 
Yeah, or we'll post it to our social media sites. Yeah, we'll so, really call you the fuck out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we have a Twitter too. We have Twitter and Snapchat, and I don't know what all we have. We need to do maybe a TikTok too and get that out there. But, but we just, will be having, yeah. we will be having a YouTube channel. So actually, be sure to keep looking for that because uh, the first few podcasts are going to go up as audio versions, and the follow up as we go on through the rest of the '80s will be live. So, well, not live, but we'll be recorded visually so you can actually see us. All the audio ones will just have like a background and be static and all that stuff, and I'll do something fun with it. But, and granted, this one uh, is running a little bit long, but the thing is, this is the introductory one, so the, the rest of them should probably only end up at about an hour, possibly a little bit more, but probably no more than that. Definitely. So, all right. Well, that's it. That's what we got. So, uh, we'll catch you guys on the flip side. Time to get out of bed. That's right. Get a hold of us somehow. Let us know what you think about as far as like the summer movies. Give us your memories, anything like that. We are out of here.